Well, they're on. told his disciples of things to come. He'd be persecuted, beaten and mocked. The Son of Man would die on a cross, but he wouldn't stay dead. Seventeen tonight, Matthew chapter number seventeen. Matthew seventeen. We'll do the best we can with the voice. We got it's still, still hurting a little bit, but that just means you've been preaching hard. Matthew chapter number seventeen tonight. Matthew seventeen. And here in Matthew chapter number seventeen and verse number one, the Bible says, and after six days. Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, that's Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. 
If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. In this passage, it's a wonderful passage. It's called, it's the passage of the transfiguration of our Savior. It's where he went up on the mountain. Most people think it was Mount Hebron up there in the Golan Heights up in that area, according to where he was at the day before and around that, probably accurate. It's the tallest mountain in the whole nation of Israel. And he went up there, and when he went, he only took three disciples. He took Peter, James, and John. And he went up and he showed them some things, and it's very interesting. And the whole thing is a picture of the second coming of Christ. Notice it said after six days. What comes after six? Seven. And the Bible says a day with the Lord is a, is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day in Second Peter chapter number 3. There's no doubt in my mind that this thing's wrapping up pretty rapidly. I don't know when it's going to end. I have no idea. I just think it could be any time. That's how I feel about it. I think the Lord could come back. And anyway, when He does, we'll go into eternity. Well, here you've got seven, and seven's a great number. In the, in the beginning of the Bible, you've got seven days of creation. Six days, and on the seventh, after six days, the seventh, he rested. Then you've got 6,000 years of history of mankind from Adam and on. After 6,000 years, you've got the seventh. It'll be a rest. It's called a millennial rest in the book of Hebrews. And anyway, that'll be when the Lord comes back and rules and reigns. But one thing that he did here was kind of interesting. The Bible says in verse 2, and was transfigured before them. Now, I titled this message something a little bit crazy. And it's crazy, and it's just the way it is, but I don't mean it in any disrespect whatsoever. I wouldn't even say it. But I've titled this, The Trans-Savior. Now, don't you get mad and leave till I get finished. The Trans-Savior. You say, that's crazy to say. That's the society we're living in, but he's nothing like the society we're living in. The word trans just simply means to change. That's what the word means. And when I say trans-Savior... He was the Savior, brother, before He changed. He was still the Savior after He changed. He just changed His appearance is all that He did. And not only that, He didn't change from one sex to the other. He just changed His physical, facial appearance. He was transfigured before them. I want to say tonight that He was a man before He changed, and He was still a man after He changed. I like that about Him. He was more than a man. He's a man's man. I like that too. <laughs> Amen. You say, well, that's, that's just mean-spirited. You can call it whatever you want to. It's just the way it is. But did you know today you've got people that call themselves transgender, transsexual. You kids are growing up in that whether you like it or not. It's just the way that it is. If you're transgender, that means you change your gender. That's nuts, by the way. <laughs> and if you're transsexual, it means you change your sex. But the truth is, you can't change your gender and you can't change your sex. You can have every operation that money can buy or the government will pay for you or the military, whoever. And I'm going to tell you something, your chromosomes will still be the same. It's just the way it is. You're not fixing, you're not changing something. Let me say something else tonight. God didn't make any mistakes when he made you. 
He made you like he wants you to be. Don't you worry about that. You say that old, that, that women's Olympics, whenever it was, four years ago, and that uh, supposed to be woman. There's, there's a man running against those women and beating them and setting the record every time. Thinking, why don't you do some DNA over here and put her over with them, him because she is a he and everybody knows it. <laughs> and now they've got these transgender athletes, transgender wrestling people. Can you imagine being a, a, a young woman in the Olympics and wanting to, to wrestle for your country and having to wrestle a man? I mean, that, that doesn't even make sense. Just because you're too big of a sissy to whip any men doesn't mean that you ought to go over to the women's side just so you can win a trophy. I mean, something's wrong with that. Oh, Bruce Jenner, you know, he was the big one, get it all kind of started. And uh, anyway, they said that he was in the Olympics, you know, and he was, and he was a good athlete, no doubt about it. And he won uh, gold, I guess, or whatever, and they had him on the box of Wheaties. Well, now they've got him on the box of Fruit Loops. So he went, <laughs> that's right. I saw where Mario, or whatever his name is, Mario Lopez came out this week. He had to apologize for saying this. That's A.C. Slater for you, so you know. He had to apologize for saying it's dangerous for parents to support transgender kids. He said, you know what he had? He had to apologize for it. You say, why? Because Holly Weird didn't like that. <laughs> you can't say that kind of stuff anymore. But you know, it's the truth. That's just the way that it is. When I was a kid, boys and girls, it was not cool for a boy to be a sissy. As far as I'm concerned, it's still not cool. I don't think you ought to be mean to anybody. I don't think you ought to hate anybody. That's not what I'm talking about. All I'm trying to say is, boys wanted to be boys and girls wanted to be girls. I'm a man and I'm glad to be a man. And guess what? I'm married to a woman and I'm not changing anything about any of that either. I'm glad that it's that way. The Bible says, God said in the Bible, a man that findeth a wife findeth a good thing, the scripture says. Man, you ought to be glad if God's given you one. That's good. Amen. The old saying is you, about women, you can't live with them, you can't live without them. That's true. It takes a lot of years to learn stuff like that. <laughs> Amen. Oh, I've got a perfect marriage. I'm talking about all y'all. Amen. <laughs> My wife's right on the front row there. Yes. <laughs> Did you know that they've got new Bibles out that are all-inclusive? And being an all-inclusive Bible, they've taken all the personal pronouns out so that it won't offend anybody. Are you kidding me? I mean, what have we come to? It's crazy, the world that we're living in. They say just over one half of a percent, not a percent, one half of a percent of adults in America consider themselves or identify as transgender. But yet they're making a big splash, aren't they? That's not very many people, by the way. What's one, what's one half a percent of 300 and something million? You know, that's not very many. That's not very many. And then they've got pangender. Pangender means a member of all genders. I don't think so. We're living, it's almost like we're, li we're back to Mr. Rogers. We're back into the land of make-believe. I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's crazy <laughs> what's happening around here. It's nuts, man. You say, well, man, I can't believe I'd come and hear a sermon on that. Well, that's not really what my message is about, to be honest with you. But anyway, so I don't like that. Well, I'm going to do it. If, you, if that bothers you real bad, there's something probably not right somewhere. Amen. You know, there's something not right. When I say we have a trans Savior, what I mean is he was transfigured. He changed his appearance. 
He, didn't, he wasn't transsexual. Transsavior is what he was. And he changed the appearance that he had. And he gave you the appearance that you're going to see when we see him when he comes again. That's the appearance that we're looking at here. And let me just say, when I say he was a man's man, there's no doubt he was a man's man. And he is a man's man. There's not another man in the universe that would do what he did for me and you on the cross of Calvary. That's a man's man. He carried his own cross up the hill. They beat him and they slapped him and they crucified him and nailed him to it. I'm telling you, he's something else. He's amazing. He's a man's man. But my Savior was transfigured in the passage. And you know, that Savior did something for me. You say, what in the world did he do for you? Well, let me give you three quick things. I've got a Savior, number one. You know what he did for me? He translated me. Not transgender, translated. You say, what in the world does that mean? To translate something is from to take from one place and put it into another place. This English Bible I've got, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic in Daniel. The New Testament was written in Greek. But you know what? The average person can't read Hebrew. And the average person can't read Greek. Not everybody goes to seminary. Not everybody knows that stuff. And that's all right. Somewhere down the line, there were some men that got together. And you know what they did? They said, let's translate that Hebrew. And let's take those Hebrew words and put them into English so English people can understand it. And they took those Greek words and put it into English where English people can understand it. They took it from one language and they put it into another language. We ought to be glad about that. Well, let me tell you, that's what translated is. It's from taking one place and putting it into another place. The Bible says in Colossians 1.13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. I want you to know tonight that I've been translated from darkness to light. That's what the Bible says. I'm translated. The only trans I am is translated. Amen. That's right. And if you're translated, we're related. How about that? We're brothers and sisters in Christ, according to the Bible. I've been translated. What are you saying? What I'm saying is my eternal destination went from a devil's hell to God's heaven. I've got something different in my life tonight. Because of the Savior, He's been good to us. We ought to be thankful. When I was a little boy, I'll never forget it. I remember, you say, don't remember, you don't forget being a little boy? No, I don't forget being a little boy. <laughs> but something happened when I was a little boy. I remember a little, when I was a little boy, one time I was at church and Brother Don Robinson was preaching. I don't even know what he preached on, beats me. But anyway, he's got, art, he's got archives of all that stuff. He could probably tell me. And anyway, Brother Don preached his Easter Sunday, 1983. And I can remember God started dealing with me in my heart and I knew that I needed to be saved. And it bothered me. I knew I was going to die and go to hell. I didn't want to go. I was a chicken, to be honest with you. And if you're smart, you'd be a chicken about that too. And anyway, because, I mean, who would want to go there? And I remember that night that I got on my knees beside my bed with my mother and I prayed and I asked Jesus to save my soul. And let me tell you, at that moment, it's like I had peace that passeth all understanding. I was translated from darkness to light. I was no longer in my sins. I was still a sinner. I still do things wrong from time to time. But I wasn't dead in trespasses and sin. I became alive. Just like he didn't stay dead and he won't stay gone. Because he didn't stay dead, I didn't have to stay dead. I've been translated. And if you haven't been translated, you ought to be translated. You ought to be glad to get your destination changed. You know what I think? I think there's too many people that don't get excited about being translated. 
I don't think they're as happy as they ought to be about it. Man, we get happy about everything, but we don't get happy about being saved. What part of not going to hell, what part of that do you not like? I'm thankful I'm not going to hell when I die. Everybody in this building deserves to go with, to hell with gasoline britches on. But I'm telling you tonight, you don't have to go. And if you're not going, you ought to thank God for it. How dare you not serve Him? How dare you not get in church? How dare you do those things? We ought to serve Him to our dying breath. You say, why? He translated us. That's how come. We ought to be glad that He translated us. There's a whole lot more than that. This ain't a long sermon. Let me say number two tonight. Not only am I translated, I'm transformed. You say, why would you say that? That's what the Bible says. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, uh, the Bible says, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The Bible says, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what we need? We need to be transformed. That's changed. That means our form ought to be changed. The way we are ought to be changed. You say, you know, you know what it said? It said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, it says. You say, what's that? Once you get transformed... You will think right. Your mind will be renewed. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says before we were saved that we were reprobates. All of us in the book of Romans. Not just somebody, everybody. And when the Lord saved our soul, He got us out of that mess. And lost people don't think right. There's lost people that are good people. I'm not against them. There's a lot of lost people I love, and I'm thankful, and I, and I pray for them. I'd like to see them get saved. But I'm telling you, when you get saved, it just changes the way you think all the time. My daddy says that he had a guy, and uh, his name was uh, Buddy Wade that used to call on him. Buddy Wade uh, was an old drunk. I'm talking about bad. And he cussed every other word, and, and he uh, was a John Deere salesman. Well, my dad bought John Deere track holes and dozers and all that stuff back then. And anyway, Buddy Wade would come by, and my dad, he wouldn't even see him. Because my dad was a Christian, and he couldn't take the vulgar. I mean, it was so bad, he was coming to call on a salesman. And since my dad owned the company, he didn't have to see him. He didn't have, he said, you know, I mean, as a salesman, you've got to try to make somebody like you. That's just the way it is. You're not going to sell much. My dad wasn't mean to him, but Buddy Wade knew my daddy didn't like him. Well, my daddy went out of business for a couple of years. He didn't go broker. He just went out of business and changed businesses. But he got back in business. And it was a high interest rate and all that stuff, you know, around 1980, that kind of thing. And it was just better for him. And then he went back into business. And after a few years, Buddy Wade came to see him again. And my daddy was telling me so day, he said, and he thought, oh boy, there's that guy. I hadn't seen him. I thought he wasn't coming back. You know, I thought I got rid of him. And anyway, he came up to me and he said, Donald, he said, I just want you to know I'm not the same salesman that used to call on you. He said, I got saved. See, he already knew my daddy was saved. He could tell. And he said, I'm not the same. I can remember Buddy Wade all my life coming and calling on my daddy. And every time he'd come, my daddy would say, Buddy, come on in the office. And he'd come in there and sit. And they'd talk about the Lord for a while. And they'd talk about how good it was to be saved. you say, what happened? Buddy didn't talk about getting drunk anymore. He didn't talk about running around on his wife. Buddy got changed because he got saved. He was transformed. He thought differently. 
See, that's what happens when people get saved. They start to think differently. They're not like they used to be. And that's, the way, and that's just different. That's why the world is so different than Christianity. They laugh at Christians as Christians as a whole and make fun of Christians, the news media, all of them. You say, why do they do that? They don't think right. They don't think right. And, it's, it's, and really, I understand why. They need to be born again. They need to be transformed. If they'd ever get transformed, that might change their thinking. But I'll tell you, there's more than just thinking right. It'll make you live right, too. You know what it'll do? It said this. It said that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'll say tonight, once you get transformed, you'll try to get in God's will. You'll search for the will of God. You'll look for it. The Bible talks about a good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. You might be in the good will and not in the perfect will. I know the perfect will of God for everybody in this building tonight. You say, how would you know that? It's God's perfect will that you get saved. <laughs> how about that? So yeah, we can all agree with that, can't we? Now, I may not know the perfect will of God as far as everything in your life, but I know that's part of it. God called me to be a preacher. I wasn't always a preacher. I was, I was going to college to uh, uh, be a contractor and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? The Lord had different plans. God may not call you to be a preacher. More than likely, he won't. Most people aren't preachers, just the way that it is. God called me. That was his will for my life. I know that I am in the direct will and perfect will of God, being a preacher, being a pastor, and I know I'm in the perfect will of God in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas, pastoring Gethsemane Baptist Church. I know that without a doubt. There's no question in my mind that I'm where God wants me to be. However, there might be a different thing for you. He might want some of you to be Sunday school teachers. He just might want some of you to be good Christian daddies and Christian mamas. He might want some of you kids to be role models to your friends. Who knows what it might be? But there's a will of God for your life. I had a guy, a friend of mine, he's been on the History Channel. And a friend, uh, Skyler knows him, but I've known him since he's that tall. And he had his own show, and, and he does the, you know, the, the knife making and all that kind of stuff. And he had his own show for a season, and they come back and want him to do it another season. And, of course, he told them, he said, well, he said, I can't, I can't do it. They're, they're wanting to add some scripting to it. You know, those show, believe it or not, those shows aren't always exactly the way they look. He says, as long as it's real, I'll do it. Well, they said, well, it'll be partially real or partially scripted. He said, no thanks. And he turned it down. He was on, what was the show he was on last year? Forged in Fire last year. You know, he was on that. I mean, he came back and got on that for for a, a thing and that competition and all. Anyway, it should have won. It got second place, I think. But anyway, but anyway, that old boy, he sent me a text. He said, Brother Derek, he said, I think God calls people sometimes to work with their hands. You know what they did in the Bible? God set people aside in the days of Moses that would know about stuff like that and the David's time and stuff that knew. How else would they have known it? God put that knowledge and that different people have different abilities. Not everybody has the same ability. Brother Fred's a mechanic. He's really good at it too. But you know what? Not everybody's good at being a mechanic. You know what? A lot of people could work with Brother Fred for the next 10 years. They still wouldn't be good at it. Because they're not mechanically inclined. You know what I'm saying? It's just the way it is. And we got several other good mechanics in here. They just one example. There's different, Brother Boyce, he's an engineer. He's got an engineering degree. You know what it takes? It takes a lot of math to get an engineering degree. And I'm talking about more than 2 plus 2 equals 4, too, by the way. 
you know what? I probably couldn't be an engineer because I'm not. A, I'm okay in math, but I'm not what. When you start taking that kind of math, it's a different level of math. You know, you say, well, that trig was hard. Well, he went way past that. I can promise you. I mean, it's a different math. You know what? Not everybody's made up to be an engineer. Just the way that it is. Thank God we've got people that are. And we could go around the room. Not everybody can play a piano like Sister Pauline. That's obvious. I go all over. You don't find pianists like her. But I'm telling you, God makes people musically inclined. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I just can't. I can't sing. I told them this morning, I said, my voice is hurting. I better not do much singing. And they were thinking, well, good. Amen. Because your voice has been killing us. That's how it is. And then, you know, I mean, the Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But everybody's got a different place and a different spot to serve and whatever it might be you ought to get in and you ought to do it for the honor and glory of God and be transformed into his will find his will in your life I only got one more to say tonight so the trans savior that's crazy well you've got to listen to it to know what I'm talking about he was transfigured that's what makes him trans transfigured let me say when the transfigured savior because of him, he did some things for me. He translated me. He's transformed me. But there's coming a day where he's going to transport me. Amen. <laughs> that's going to be good. <laughs> I'm going to be transported. You take that word port, that's a port of entry, a place where you go into something. Hey, one day I'm being transported. I'm not talking about Star Trek either. I'm talking about beam me up, not nothing to do with Star Trek. I'm talking about something much greater than that. One day the Lord's coming back and He's going to take me home to heaven. I'm going to meet Him in the air. The Bible says He's coming for me. He's coming for you. You'll be transported. The world's going to wonder what in the world happened. I'm talking about millions and millions are going to disappear. And that'll be okay because the Lord's going to call us up. Till He does, we ought to serve Him down here. But one day, He'll call us up. We'll be transported. It's going to be a good time. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the Lord. I'm telling you, in the clouds and be with the Lord forever. I'm telling you, it's going to be a good time. The Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump one day the Lord's coming back and it's going to be faster than you can blink and he's taking everybody that's his home to heaven I'm telling you you'll be transported and we're going to a world I'm telling you it's going to be amazing it's going to be something I mean don't get real excited or anything I'm just talking about preaching on I'm just talking about going to heaven and never dying how about that I'm talking about going to a place where you never get sick I'm about going to a place where you never run out of money. I'm talking about a place that's got a crystal sea and a street of gold and gates of pearl and walls of jasper. I'm talking about a place that's got the Savior that died for us at Calvary. It's going to be a good day. We ought to be glad that Jesus will come again. And then one day, after He comes again, after He meets us in the air at the rapture, that's the transporting I'm talking about. He's going to come back on a white horse according to Revelation chapter number 19. And we're coming with him, it says. And we're coming back and we're going to roll and reign with him for a thousand years. You say, what will he look like? Just like he transfigured himself in Matthew 17. Because when you read in Revelation chapter 1, Revelation 19, you'll see descriptions of the Lord in heaven. White hair. He didn't have white hair on earth. Song of Solomon says he had black hair. Dark skin and black eyes. He looked like a Jew. That's what he was. 
You say, well, I saw that picture. That somebody made that up. You know better than that. The Bible says he had black hair. I'm going with the Bible. Amen. But he's coming back. It'll be white hair. And he's going to have on a white garment. And it's going to have on the vesture, that's the coat, the outer part, it's going to have an inscription. And it's going to say, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Boy, that's going to be good, ain't it? I'm looking forward to being transported by my transfigured Savior. He's something else. The transfigured Savior. And let me just say, that transfigured we're talking about, he gets that new figure, new pick, the way he looks differently, the Bible says we'll look like him. Behold now, we are the sons of God. We do not know what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, 2. We're going to see him as he is. We will be like him. God's going to change our vile bodies and fashion it, that means to make it, after his glorified body, transfigured body. We're getting a body like his. His body didn't sin. His body doesn't get old. His body doesn't have arthritis. His body don't have any of that stuff. What a time that's going to be. I don't understand why people don't get in church and serve God, do you? Well, he's just, we're just trying to make an extra dollar. Oh, you're going to get that retirement that you might get to draw if you live long enough. And then, I, I hope you do get a retirement, by the way. I don't want you to. But my goodness, don't put God off to the side for that stuff. He's got something a lot better than your retirement plan. He's got a retirement plan that's out of this world. Let's stand together. We'll have an invitation. Amen.